We're going to have Adam come, and he's going to unpack the first part of Luke chapter 2. And, uh, and then I'm going to come and share and unpack the second portion. And, uh, and speaking of Adam, uh, this, this family, as you know, has been uh, walking in faith and obedience and, and walking and living in a way that most people can't relate to. I recognized it because I knew that it resembled something the Lord required of us in our early journey that most people didn't understand. But there comes a time when God's got a call in your life where you've got to be willing to launch out in faith and leave everything that you've found security in and trust the Lord to provide for you. And this is what this family has done. And uh, I take my hat off to Adam. Uh, even more, I take my hat off to Tanya. <laughs> that warrior has been by his side every step of the way. I, I tell her I, there's, I would any time accept her in a, in, a, in a position right beside me in the front lines because I know there's a fighter in her that will not quit. And uh, so my hat's off to both of you. But they are actually uh, being invited into a pastoral role at a church in the southern end of Geauga County Amish community. And, uh, and that's, I'm not officially announcing it today. I'm just telling you that's what they're being invited into. And we'll unpack it further the first of the year. But I'm excited about it. It's not something that's going to be full-time for them. Uh, but uh, they'll be uh, sharing their time between there and here. But I'm excited about it because uh, these guys have been being prepared by the Lord for a major role in the kingdom. And, uh, and as you know, the Jaga County Amish community is where I was born, and I have a heart for that community and, uh, and, an, and a call to that community. I saw a, a revival coming to that community in an open vision that I had back 25, or between 25 and 30 years ago. Uh, when we lived in Northern Virginia. And uh, now we're seeing the beginnings of that happening. So it's an honor to me that God would raise up a son of this house to go help uh, launch a revival movement in that community. And so keep them in prayer. Uh, anyway, after we're done with that, um, how many of you believe that the, house of, the Father's house should be a house of prayer for all nations? Isn't that what Scripture says? How many of you believe in praying? How many of you believe in raising the roof? I don't know how many of you were here Friday night when Ken Fish was here. But we broke a mold here. And there was none of this, hey, one person prays and everybody else quietly agrees. Everybody prayed together. And if that's uncomfortable for you, then get out of your comfort zone a little bit this morning. Because we're going to raise the roof on behalf of hurting families in this place. And uh, we've, got, we've got families here that have crisis in their families, and we're going to have groups uniting around every one of them, and we're going to pray together, and we're going to storm heaven. And I believe that during this Christmas season, when we're celebrating the greatest miracle of all, God's sending his son into this earth to redeem mankind. Uh, we can believe for miracles for every family. And I want us to cry out for miracles and breakthroughs for every family that's in crisis. Amen? Yeah. And then uh, after we do that, we're going to have communion. And then as you leave, there's going to be a gift bag for every adult in the place as you leave. And uh, Steve will be back there at the back. 
And uh, we want every one of you to know that we love you, we appreciate you, and we just want to uh, give you a token of our appreciation uh, to show you that, we, that we're here for you and we care for you. And, uh, and we're believing God for the best for you and your family in 2024. Amen? So, uh, Adam, will you come? And, and uh, let's see what God's got on your heart this morning. Amen. So this morning, <laughs> we're going to thank you, God, that you, Christmas is about Jesus. Um, so this morning, I, um, I got a text from Yuri, and uh, he said, hey, would you be willing to unpack Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7 this morning? And like one of the first things that I heard is in my spirit, there's a, there's a Misty Edwards song that goes, he's not a baby in a manger anymore. He's not a broken man on the cross. He didn't stay in the grave, and he's not staying in heaven forever. I'm like, oh, boy, Jesus, what are you going to do? <laughs> so I, I started reading this, and uh, this scripture, if I had to use a word to describe the story of Jesus' parents and Jesus being born, uh, it felt pregnant to me, pun intended, but seriously, when I read it, it was like, the Lord is on this. And so uh, I'm feeling pretty turned up about a few things because I want to bring th some things out in the scripture that uh, I believe the Lord highlighted to me. But I want to start by saying what happened. The next thing that I felt was that I, I remembered that Mary, the name specifically, had something to do with bitterness and rebellion. And so I wanted to dig into it and look and see about this bitterness, rebellion side of Mary. Because I was going to talk about how Christ and what Jesus does in a family can be birthed in the hardest of situations. In rebellion, in bitterness, in hard things. Because that is very embodied in this passage of scripture. But as I searched, what does the name Mary mean? Or meaning of the name Mary and I've since done it, so it didn't come up when I tried it a second time a few hours later. All right, I'm going to say this, and this is literally what popped up. And, and I feel the Lord breathing on this, so in Jesus' name, cover it, Lord. But the first thing that popped up on Christmas Eve when I searched the meaning of the name Mary. And mind you, at this hour, it's probably pastors up preparing for sermons. The top one says, I kid you not, this is literally what happened this morning. I feel offensive even saying it, but this is what happened this morning, literally happened to me. It says, a homosexual male. The top, the top result, Mary, homosexual male. And I'm going, what in the world? I wish I would have taken a screenshot so I could show you guys. You're going to have to take my word for it because a couple hours later I went back and searched it again and it was everything you'd expect to see. And it started to stir in me, Lord, what, what is this? Why am I seeing this? Because if I was a Google exec or whatever and, and I saw this or I had done this or whatever, what was the purpose of this? It was a jab, you know? It was a jab, I, I truly believe. But I said, Lord, what are you saying about all this? I heard the Misty Edwards song, This Happens. And I thought, if I were the enemy, 
and I wanted to keep Jesus' birthday in a place where people didn't really know who Jesus was, I would continue to have it be cute thousands of years later. Because if Jesus is only cute, if he never evolves past just being a baby in a manger, then we're stuck in the place of viewing Jesus in only a portion of his life, in the miracles of that portion of his life, because it's really easy to receive a child. It's really easy to receive a kid. But I tell you the truth that I think there's something in here that Christmas is designed by God to be a doorway into the deeper things of God. Everyone talks about how the winter solstice is, you know, the darkest day of the year. That December 21st into December 22nd this year is the darkest time of the year. And from this point on, it gets brighter and brighter. And that God put Christmas right there on purpose. Whether or not, you know, we can get stuck in arguments about whether or not that's actually Jesus' birthday. But I think if you do that, you're actually missing the point. Because the arguments about things like this if they come out of a, a root of lack or something in us where we don't feel the accuracy of the way Jesus is being expressed, then we're capped at a logical level of perceiving God and perceiving the gospel. And it never moves up above the second heaven into the third heaven where spiritual truth begins to seep into us and leak on people around us. Hallelujah. Listen, if, if we are capped at a merely logical understanding of the gospel, how can we ever hope to help other people come into a spiritual understanding of the gospel? The Pharisees were running around in a place where they knew all the law. They could quote the books, but they had a form of godliness, but denied its power. So many Christians love to talk about the nativity and tell the story of Jesus, but is the power there? Yuri's talking about becoming a people of prayer. And the first thing that I thought of in the scripture, and I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture because we'll get to unpacking it here, but this is Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1 through verse 7. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. Do you remember another place in the Bible where there was a census taken and what happened in response? When David went to take a census, it ended up that the angel of the Lord was moving through the fields killing people. Now, I'm not going to say that that's what happens every time a census is taken. But it's interesting that the direct response out of this time frame is that Jesus comes to the earth and the kingdoms of this world begin to be judged. Verse 2, this census first took place while Quirinius was governing, governing Syria. If you look this name up, Quirinius, it literally means God of war. So, so there's arguments between scholars about, it seems like there's a disparity between Matthew chapter 2 and Luke chapter 2, in that Herod and Quirinius couldn't have both been governing at once, between the different stories of Jesus. But again, if you can take this, the text for what it is and not get capped at a merely logical ascent of the gospel, spiritual understanding can come. And there's a lot of implication in the idea that the God of war, if you take the name at its meaning, was governing Syria with Judah lumped in. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. 
Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Ironically, in this moment, one of the next things the Lord started to talk to me about while I was looking into the scripture, if you can put yourself in the shoes of Mary and Joseph during this time frame, they're living in Nazareth, and they're pregnant, and all the, the, the trauma or, or um, what's the word I'm looking, controversy surrounding that, the fact that you know, they were not yet married, that kind of thing, so she's pregnant with child and a governing authority over them that they don't respect or want or like. I'm assuming there, but I, I'm pretty sure that there was a lot of angst between the Jews and, and Caesar. Tells them that while she is, she is pregnant, so pregnant that while she's in Bethlehem, she delivers. They have to get up and they have to go so that they can be counted. Now, mind you, like I said, if you're a Jew and you're in this place of, of, of uh, seeing what has happened with a census, can you take her band? Thank you. Now, mind you, if you're a Jew and you're seeing what happens in the place of David taking a census, you may be going to wherever it is your lineage is from thinking, okay, what is the negative response? Because this is an ungodly thing to do. But here they arrive nine months pregnant in Bethlehem, and there's not room. This is a foreshadowing of what actually happens in the life of Jesus, that he came to his own and his own did not receive him. This wasn't just when he was already on the earth, when he was preaching the kingdom. This is at birth. At birth, he's literally being born. This is heralding the nature of the life that Jesus is going to walk. He's born in a place where there's not room for him. And he comes to the least because the, the greatest can't see him and they don't acknowledge him. I think we're all fairly familiar with a lot of the things I've said so far, but I want to take this to a place where it's not just a story about a baby. It's not just a piece of, a, of an old book that there's something alive and active for us today. So going into the Christmas season, much like going into the, the Thanksgiving season, can be a very traumatic time for people. Especially if you have wounds from your family. Um, I'm not going to touch all the places and stir trauma up. But you can think, if, if, you, if you know what I'm talking about, you may even feel it as I'm talking about it. But think about Mary being pregnant. This is... When you're nine months pregnant, at least if you're, if, if you're a woman and you're anything like my wife, this is literally the most comfortable, uncomfortable you've ever been in your life. She's been impregnated by God and has to explain that to her husband. Then she's gone through a full pregnancy, however, weighs however many more pounds than she normally weighs. And she comes into this place of Bethlehem making this journey 
which maybe she got to ride a donkey, something like that, maybe not, who knows. But in this season, I feel what Yuri is talking about with prayer is utterly important. And while we were worshiping today, I felt like the Lord said, think womb. Because for me, the rebirthing of, uh, of, of a secret place, of a life of prayer, of understanding the dynamics of what that does, and I hear this, think womb. So my question for you as we go into this Christmas season, whether you've already met with family or where you, whether you're going to be meeting with family, is what are you carrying? What are you coming into this uncomfortable situation with? Because it's easy to see why it's uncomfortable, but what's in there? And if you don't realize the promise that you're carrying into this place, if, if your secret place, if the womb of your life with God is not necessarily established, what are you carrying into these family situations? Because if you're anything like me, in, in certain seasons of my life, especially prior to this season, you might feel like I'm coming into this thing and I want to fight in the flesh. I want to come in there swinging because they talk bad things about my God. But there's a lot of questions I have, and I haven't really been spending as much time with God as I should. So my response is actually in the flesh instead of delivering the real gospel. That it's hard for me to move in love when I don't feel good. That it's hard for me to move in love when I haven't been spending time with love. So what is in the womb of your life right now? If you're going into these situations and you feel like, I am dreading this, Lord, please don't let it be like last year. And you feel like you've taken a defensive position coming in, then a lot of times, if you don't feel like you, proverbially speaking, I can't think of a better word right now, but if you don't have bullets in the gun, if there's nothing in there, if there's nothing in the womb, if Christ is not in the womb of your life, then you're going to come in and the, and the response that's going to be elicited when someone pulls on you, if your spirit man is not standing at attention and your flesh has been rising up, it's going to be control or manipulation. It's going to be like, no, that's not okay. And, and, and it's good to defend the Lord in all situations. That's good. But if you're doing it because you don't feel good and you want to defend not feeling good, then maybe... There's a place in your spiritual womb that God wants to touch so that when you come into these situations, it's not I feel lack, it's I feel compassion. Thank you, God, that I love these people. I'm sorry, Lord, for wanting to make war with them and entertaining bad thoughts about them. I'm sorry, Lord, that I've allowed high and lofty thoughts to prep me for some situation that will never happen. If you know what I'm talking about, it could be a brother, it could be a sister, it could be your mom, where you start thinking about what happened in the past and that trauma starts to get stirred up. And you're like, oh boy, God, if they do this, then I'm gonna. But in that moment, it is a direct invitation by God to begin to war on their behalf. God, I'm so sorry. And start with repentance. That, you know, for, for me, the place that I've been in, it starts with repentance of, of God, I'm so sorry. I have been broken in my thinking. I'm so sorry. I've been entertaining thoughts that don't glorify you and fighting out of the flesh. I know that when you decide a thing, it's decided. Would you look on my family with mercy? 
Would you love on them, God? Would you heal the wounds? Would you, in, would you pull me into it, God, and have me be a part of healing that wound? Nonetheless, whatever you want to do, God. Because outside of that place, we try to lord something over people without having the goods to back it up. If the work is not done in the secret place, how could it be rewarded openly? I, have, I had a man that mentored me in the Lord uh, a few years ago. He, he passed away in 2017. But he said, I'm convinced that literally nothing happens on the planet Earth without prayer. Literally nothing happens on the planet Earth without prayer. So as you go with your families this, this year and, and, and Christmas begins to manifest however it manifests, whether it feels good, whether it feels bad, remember that Mary was made uncomfortable. Someone who may, she may not have even viewed as a proper authority over her life was governing things and called her into a place that she may not have wanted to be in in an untimely time in her life. But she was impregnated with the seed of the gospel and literally placed in the exact geographic location to fulfill prophecy in her discomfort. And remember, her name means rebellion. Her name means bitterness. I don't know what you're wrestling against in your family situations, but if Jesus chooses to be birthed out of that place, it looks like things are ripe at home for a move of God. Thank you, Jesus. And remember that he's not just a baby in a manger anymore. The world can receive cute Jesus. But he's coming as a lion with a sword in his mouth and his robes are going to be dipped in blood. And when he comes back, a lot of people are going to be expecting cute Jesus. And that's, that's laughable. Yeah, it's true. But, but think about it. If we don't step into that place where he becomes more to us than just cute Jesus in our prayer lives, in the place where God is challenging us to grow, then how are we ever going to convey that to people who are broken and in need and only able to receive cute Jesus because it's a logical ascent? Father God, I thank you for everyone in this room. Jesus, I say happy birthday to you. You are amazing, Lord. Thank you that this is planted right in the darkest time of the year, that we get to celebrate and hang lights and be with family. Thank you that every situation represented in this room is ripe, God. That it is ripe for the plucking. That the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God is moving forward with power, whether or not we realize it, God. God, thank you that in these situations, you're taking anything that's been twisting our thoughts, twisting our emotions or our heart intentions, or even our situations in family and with loved ones, and you're turning them for the good of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Father God, we repent for holding on to any bitterness, for allowing our womb to have anything else in it than the seed of Jesus Christ. Would you cleanse us this Christmas season, God? At the end of this year, God, would you set things right and make the way straight because we know you want to come in our lives. It's all over scripture. It's not just about people 2,000 and more years ago. It's right now, living, breathing, active, word of God in our lives. And Holy Spirit, we give you full and utter permission to move in Jesus' name. Amen.
That was good stuff. Thank you, Jesus. So, you never know how things are going to go. I really feel to continue with this focus on prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Um, recently, the Lord has highlighted this scripture to me. In Ecclesiastes 4.12, he's talking about two are better than one. You know, very uh, common scripture that we use in marriage ceremonies. You know, and then it says, uh, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. And we usually apply that to a marriage situation. And if you're in a marriage covenant, if it's just a contract between two people, contracts can be broken by a sharp attorney, right? Sharp attorney can always find a loophole in a contract. But we're talking about a covenant, and in a covenant, uh, it's bound by blood. I'm not going to go into all of that right now. Uh, But... Recently, the Lord has been highlighting that scripture to me and showing me that there's something very powerful relating to prayer in that verse. And uh, I saw where uh, one of the families of our church, uh, three of the siblings got together and they came into covenant together to fast and pray one day a week for breakthrough for family members. And I watched breakthrough after breakthrough come to that family. And I'm like, you know what? These guys are tapping into something. And so me and my siblings did that. I've got two other siblings that are sold out. They're on fire. And so we covenanted together that one day a week we're going to fast. And then we're going to unite together in prayer for breakthrough for family members. And you know what? Uh, We only get one go at this. This is not a dress rehearsal. We only get one go. And what we do now, we're going to be reaping the rewards for, for eternity. It's a a serious thing. And so I really felt like throwing that out as a challenge for more of you. And and maybe, maybe everything's cool in all your family and all your relatives. Maybe you don't need any breakthroughs. Do we have any families like that here? No issues at all anywhere in your family? Not, Wow. Okay, so every one of us should be able to connect with that somehow, right? Um, I believe that if, as we begin, you know what I begin to see there is it emulates the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit are in agreement. And when they speak, things move. Because they are one. And when three people unite together in covenant, and we'll be talking more about that in, uh, about the concept of that uh, as it relates to prayer in the coming months uh, and going beyond that. But the, I believe this is such a powerful place to start. When three of us can begin to come together in a covenant agreement, and I believe we can move heaven. Amen? I believe we can move mountains. Uh, a, a line from that old song by Jesus Culture and Martin Smith came to me as we were processing this last week. 
if faith can move the mountains, then let the mountains move. If all it takes is faith, every one of us can, can activate our faith and we can move mountains if all it takes is faith. You know, and I think a lot of times we're waiting for God to do something when it's our move. Because God moves in response to faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? And every one of us has an opportunity to exercise our faith and move mountains. And when I when discover keys like this and God uncovers these things, I'm like, man, let's go. Let's, let's give it all we got because we only get one go at this. So if you've got a sibling, if you've got an in-law that's actually an outlaw, or whatever. I'm not trying to make light of situations, but I, but that is a reality in some of our families that we actually have situations where it's going to take God to move some mountains, but he moves in response to our faith. Amen? And so I'd like to challenge every one of us. And by the way, before, I'm, in case I forget to tell you, somebody left their cell phone out at the baked goods table. So make sure you remember to pick that up on your, as you leave. Um, but Right now, I would like every family member, um, every family that has a serious crisis in their family, I want you to stand. If you've got a serious crisis in your family that you need breakthrough for, I want you to stand. Okay? Wow. Okay. So the rest of us, I want us to gather around one of these families, and I want us to storm heaven for breakthrough. Find out what the, what the need is, and let's bring breakthrough. Amen? Let's, Father, I just thank you right now for the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come right now this morning and help us, every one of us, to intercede and believe you to move mountains in these families? We're not going to take no for an answer. We're going to move the mountains of demonic oppression, brokenness, and we're believing you for breakthrough for every family in Jesus' name. And, and saints of God, I want you to get loud. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think volume moves mountains. I think faith does. But I don't, I'm not looking for passive faith. I'm looking for passionate faith. I'm looking for something that activates our faith. Put your heart into it and let's pray for breakthrough for every one of these families, okay? And then we're going to move into communion.